Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the social index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Catherine Calvert. She's the CMO of Koros a digital engagement platform for social marketing, online communities, and customer care. On the show today, Catherine and I talk about her brush with fame with Kevin Bacon. Um, so yours truly is now two degrees from Kevin Bacon. We talk about her path to become CMO at Koros, as well as customer engagement and what marketers and chief marketing officers should be thinking about in terms of how and which platforms they engage with to create great experiences for their customers and prospects. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Catherine Calvert. Catherine, welcome to the show. Thanks, Alan. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I am too. This is an odd way to start, but I was reading your bio and there's a, a note in there about peering in a Kevin Bacon movie. That is a fact, and it is one of my go-to fun facts. Now I won't be able to use it with you and when we play Two Truths and a Lie, but it's true. And I will tell you and all the marketers out there, always when you're doing your exec bios with your team, ask for some fun facts because everybody asks about this one in mine. And it is true. It is one of, I will admit, his lesser known films, but I grew up in San Francisco and he starred in a movie called Quicksilver about a 
rogue investment banker who loses his job and becomes a bike messenger on the streets of San Francisco. Yes. I know that movie. Yeah. Yes. So I went to a a kind of a Catholic girl's school with a nice little sailor uniform and they needed kids in the background. And I got to be an extra in the movie and I met Kevin Bacon. I like to call him Kevin. I don't think he remembers me, but Kevin and I chatted. I got his autograph and Paul Rodriguez. So Alan, you are now officially one degree of separation from Kevin Bacon. I am so excited today. Like that's (laughs) made my week. And yes, that's fantastic. Now I have a fun fact that I'm one degree separated. No, no, just, just that I'm one degree separated from Kevin Bacon. Yeah, it's party fodder. It does. It's the, when you start playing that game, and you're like, and also, obviously, there's me, people. It's a conversation starter. Let's talk about marketing. And um, you are the CMO at Koros. How'd you end up as CMO? What was, where'd you get your start? Alan, I could do the extended remix version, but I will, in the spirit of podcast and, and keeping it interesting, I will skip through a few things, but I will tell you, I was an English major at Cal Berkeley and really didn't know what I was going to do with that. And one of my first jobs was as a speechwriter at a large drug company. Pfizer, which at the time people knew now everybody knows Pfizer, thanks to the vaccine. 20 plus years ago, they had just launched Viagra. So writing speeches about that emerging category, let's call it, was a really uh, fascinating exercise and taught me that it is a talent that businesses need to figuring out how to tell good stories. And that put me on the path to marketing. I fell in love with technology and got into B2B technology specifically, and came up the ranks. Again, started on that comm side, but it took every every opportunity that lay in front of me, whether it was somebody who had left and I could fill in and, and learn about webinars or PR. And so slowly started to know just enough to be dangerous about the full stack of marketing. And here we are. So this is my third time basically running uh, running a marketing team, full stack marketing team. I joined uh, what is now Coros about three years ago. There's a lot I love about B2, being a B2B marketer, but it does mean that the things that you market aren't always the sexiest. And I, I did spend 10 years marketing portfolio accounting software. So anything seemed kind of sexier from there, but I was particularly excited about, about Coros because one of the legacy companies that Coros came together from was a company called Lithium and I'd been a customer. So that was really appealing to me. We What we do is create customer engagement software. So for me as a marketer, uh, you know, it took me a while, but I it did finally get through to me that what your customer's experience of your brand is really your brand and we can help shape it, but CX really matters. So it's been really fun to spend, uh, spend this time at Koros as a marketer talking about something that helps me and helps, I hope, my fellow marketers be better, be better at our jobs and help create customers for life. You gave a, a little bit of what Koros does, but maybe could you go a little bit deeper? Like what should we know as a marketing community about Koros? Some of you may know the Koros name or you may know our legacy brand. So I, I mentioned I joined a company called Lithium that was one of the pioneers in branded communities. So 
Sephora, Sonos, Spotify, just thinking about the S's on our 2000 brands all have their own community. So they've got a website, but they have brand owned communities where their customers and peers can connect, whether it's about fixing something uh, or reconnecting the Wi-Fi or advocating for their favorite shade of blush. Those communities have become really integral to those businesses. And then Lithium got into what we would call social care space from there. So all in the spirit of where are the conversations happening that really matter. And in 2018, Lithium came together with Spreadfast. So again, if you, you may, if you don't know the Coros name, you may remember Spreadfast, uh, which was the leader in social marketing solutions. So publishing, planning your calendar, your ad optimization and execution, we brought that all together so that all of your conversations with customers and prospects are in one place. You get that one pane of glass. So we we created Coros because there are billions of conversations happening. It can be a lot of voices and we want to help you make music from those voices. So the name is actually from the Greek word for Coros. I like that naming story too. That's a phenomenal exercise. I mean, it just as you describe it, you know, the integration of community building and ability to plan, execute, and deliver conversations, that's a lot of complexity <laughs> to harness. Yeah. And I think we as marketers, and the bigger you are, the harder it is just within your own stack to keep tabs on social conversations, brand conversations. We all know, right, the data has been around for a long time, that by the time you're having a conversation with your prospect, they've pretty much made a decision or they're 60 to 70% of the way down that funnel. So if you aren't in those, even if we're talking about review sites or social communities, you've got to be able to be in those conversations, at least be aware of them and, and hopefully engage them. And then the real masters at it have figured out how to how to start those conversations, own that conversation. And what's cool, the, so between Lithium and Spreadfast, the company's almost 20 years old, we have all of this data and, and what we can do now with AI and ML and natural language processing. If you were at Dreamforce 20 years ago, we talked about the power of data and connection, but it's finally here. We can help marketers be better at their jobs. We can help contact centers have better conversations because we can actually take all of that structured and unstructured data and unlock it into we're surfacing up insights and actionable conversations, next best actions. All the stuff that seemed like it could happen is finally happening. And it's really exciting. It's pretty cool. Hearing you talk about, I mean, the notion of like the the complexity that you're managing through like the the machine learning, you know, the unstructured, the structured data, mine the insights. That's pretty exciting. And and in respects to the fact that like you're aggregating across various channels as well to kind of get more of a holistic picture of what's going on. I mean, that's got to be valuable to people. I mean, because bad experience can happen anywhere these days. Well, that's right. I mean, I hate to say it. I, I definitely grew up in a time of somewhat of marketing arrogance, right? If I if I put up a if I wrote a beautiful press release or a great positioning statement, it's like you kind of had to believe me. 
And now we've really democratized the customer experience. There's no more complaining to your pal. You're complaining and taking your business elsewhere and everybody has a megaphone. And so there's just some really scary data about the risk. You know, it's, it's not just there's all this data and it's super complex. It's also so hard because it's so easy for consumers and cu any customer to get stuff from anywhere. The barriers are ent to entry are so low, but where we see people win is when they create a great experience. And that starts with really knowing what your customer is telling you. And that's, I get, I get really nerdy about this, Alan, but, but I love, I love it because what we're solving for is something, whether you're a marketer or not, everybody has had that experience, right? You, you're irritated because your cables, right, flickered out for the last two weekends, right? When you were hoping to watch a new movie. And meanwhile, you're getting 17 emails about the special promotion they're running or trying to upsell you. And that disconnect between your complaints and their blindness and trying to send you new material, that disconnected experience just turns people off. And we just did some consumer research, but it's something like over 60% of consumers will stop doing business with a brand after just one bad experience. It's really, it's scary. So you're, you're losing customers when you don't keep those things connected, but you're also putting money in your competitor's pocket. But there's hope, I should say, like when companies that do get this right and make that investment, when you can differentiate on customer experience, it's actually cheaper than most places, right? Meaning you're not competing on price, so it's not a race to the bottom. And there's all kinds of great research that shows that 80% of consumers told us they will pay more for the same thing if it comes with a delightful customer experience. So all of that is to say, like, we as marketers have to pay really close attention after the transaction. I used to just focus on the top of the funnel, get those leads in, sign my deals, get the pipeline going. And, you know, one angry customer can undo a lot of great marketing. That's amazing. Like, I really love that the last that stat that you were talking about there in terms of like, what's the upside to getting this right, right? Like if I could connect all of these experiences and, and really have a, a way to engage at the moment that matters for someone, especially if they're having an issue, you know, they're willing to pay more. And that drops straight to my bottom line <laughs> for all my customers, right? Like not just that one, but all the ones that they might go tell about the great experience as well. I don't want to suggest it's not overwhelming. And we know this is a priority for most companies these days. It was something like the top priority for, for the Fortune 500 CEOs. Connecting that digital experience was up there. And the truth is, I believe the stat was only 20% of companies felt they could say they could deliver on an omni-channel experience. So, so if you feel overwhelmed, you are not alone. You are in the vast majority. So it is exciting though, because it's such an aha moment when brands are able to close the loop and connect the dots. It doesn't surprise me that like so many people struggle with it because the challenge of marketers have, no matter what company they're in, is that the way companies are organized are not the way that our consumers buy from us, right? Like so I've got my call center folks, 
they only deal with the call center. I've got my retail folks. They only deal with the retail side, you know, or my channels, you know, uh, Twitter, et cetera, social teams. And so the organizations, they reinforce it based on how we organize. <laughs> That's right. Yes. And it, and, and we're all struggling with this. And so then I build my tech stack on the marketing side and my colleague on the contact at the contact center builds her tech stack and, and they're not talking to each other and they're in Gainsight and I'm in Marketo or uh, right. And we have all these blind spots, but at the simplest level, when I reach out to a brand, I'm reaching out to a brand. I don't care where I land. And I expect, I expect them to know me like I know them. And that gap is, yeah, that gap creates a lot of, uh, let's just call it opportunity to take advantage of, but also opportunities for missteps. Well, I mean, if you do it well, you can, it's a great competitive advantage because most companies can't do it well. <laughs> you know? so, right. You still be in the vast minority. Right. Well, it, all it seems like it, we're constantly inundated with another platform, another thing, TikTok, Clubhouse. It, it, it's just like another thing every, feels like every couple of months. Maybe it's even faster than that in some cases. But like, how should marketers in your mind be thinking about just the plethora of channels and platforms that are at our disposal? How should we be thinking about it? It is overwhelming. And I have a couple thoughts on this or advice, I guess, because, I, and I find myself as a, as a marketer getting anxious. Like, did I just, did I miss it? Did I, am I too late? Am I ahead of it? So I understand the instinct that we, a lot of us have to just get out there and be on the platform, especially when, you know, maybe your CEO's daughter asked her about, <laughs> about where we are on TikTok. So there is this hurry up and get out there. And, and I would just say, I try to subscribe to a don't let the shiny object get in the way of knowing where you really should be. Especially some of the newer platforms like Clubhouse and TikTok, where authenticity and organic content is so much at the heart of what makes them different. And so, you know, we're happy to share, but we have a great team at Coros that is a, we call it our Strat Services team, and they actually manage the social conversations and uh, engagement for some of the biggest brands of whom I cannot name, but one of them is one of the big social channels. Uh, so they are living and breathing this and watching all this. And, and I go to them first when I'm wondering where I should be, when. So I think it has to start with taking a deep breath, looking at that new channel that you're, that you're reading about, that you're hearing about, that you're being asked about. And the question has to be, where are the customers that matter to me? If they're there, great. Then the next step is what's my strategy and what's my presence going to be there. But just because it exists doesn't mean you have to be there. If your customers aren't going to be there, it might not be worth the effort. We're all living in a resource-constrained world and it better to double down. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Down where it matters most, especially if you're in the B2B world. The difference between Facebook and LinkedIn is really big if you're a B2B marketer versus a B2C marketer. I really like the question too that you're you're posing is like, where are the customers that matter to me or matter to my company? Because to your point, um, (laughs) there's many companies out there that might target an older demographic, probably don't need to be on TikTok or their visual brands and Clubhouse probably doesn't make sense. Like how do you get your your aesthetic across in conversation? I mean, I'm sure somebody can do it, but that's a hard platform to kind of execute against. That's a great illustration of the point. I think it's let the channel work for you, just like email or the web. What's the best tool in your toolkit to get the right message to the right people? And if they're on Clubhouse, cool. If they're not, then it might be a distraction. Though I will say, you know, especially if you've got a, a diverse team that and they're curious about stuff, I always recommend making space to try new things. And so if someone on your team is just can't wait to get going on an Instagram reel or, or Twitter spaces conversation, let them try it, especially with some of these newer ones. It's safe to fail. It's not a high risk situation to go start a conversation and see what sticks. Perfectly makes sense. I mean, it's managing a portfolio of investments, right? Investments in time, is just as important as money. And so to your point, uh, experimentation or, or trying things out, testing things out, makes a lot of sense to do. It just probably shouldn't be 80% of what you're focused on. Check your plate. How full is the plate? And I had great advice from a woman who started a PR agency years ago. And I was so impressed with how she always had her cool, always kept her cool. And she said her philosophy was she tried to keep her plate at 85% because there was always going to be, there's always a temptation to just keep loading it up and get stuff done. But if you keep it at 85%, then you've allowed yourself the space for the inevitable hiccup, the inevitable crisis, the, and then, or, and hopefully a little bit of space to daydream. I'm not successful. I've been working on it for a decade, but I, I, I try to keep it in mind. Yeah, I like. I love that advice. And to your point about her being composed all the time, um, I'm sure that definitely um, helps her stay composed, not succumb to the chaos that <laughs> that may may take over. I mean, as you think about like customer engagement, things that you see. What advice would you have for other CMOs? Like, I mean, you've shared a bunch already, but like, I'm just curious if anything else comes to mind. I think there is a real opportunity for, for, for marketing leaders to be the champion within our companies for that connected customer experience and elevating CX as 
a really a North star for a company. I think it has historically been too easy for those efforts to get siloed. You said earlier, we were talking about the different teams have different systems. They often also have different MBOs and different priorities. And your contact center person is thinking about efficiency and agent retention and how do I keep people off the phones? Whereas you as the marketing team are think might be thinking about expansion of wallet and pipeline creation. And so I think though that the marketing function has an opportunity to lead here and using what is now so available to folks and so well understood this notion that your customers are talking about you and making decisions and making purchasing decisions well before you've had the conversation that is inextricable from this idea. That means you've got to have such a sensational customer experience that they're doing the work for you. They're bringing the leads to you, the customers who are telling that are, they're so happy that they're telling your story for you. So that's what I, my advice would be is look around your own company and look for those spots where there's a chance to bridge the gap and lead your team forward. Cause I, I think when we get too stuck on the funnel, we can miss the forest for the trees. That's great advice. The notion, I think you said the stat was something like 60% of people will leave and never come back. If you're not paying attention to at those moments when others are at least telling you that you've got something going on they don't like, that's a lot of people that may not even tell you <laughs> that something's going on. That's right. You probably don't even know unless you are you have yourself and your team set up to hear those conversations because they're probably not telling you to your face. Exactly. Because it, it's really, I, I mean, in the world of market research or, or customer sat surveying I'm familiar with, it's usually the extreme examples that get reported, right? <laughs> like it's the people that are kind of moderately unhappy that never come back that you never hear from. Right. There's those, but then it's just like sort of ENPS scores, right? And your NPS scores. And and what you want to look for are those moments where you can save them, right? Save the customer because we're all human. We all know hiccups happen. And gosh, the last 18 months have reminded us of that. But how you're able to reconcile that hiccup for your customer can make the difference. And it can actually even create more intense loyalty. The data shows that if there's a quick and happy resolution, you've actually, you can create an even stronger advocate. That's hilarious. It reminds me of a story an executive was telling me, and I promise this connects. He, for the longest time, would trip up the stairs as he was going to the podium to make a speech. And I was like, what are you talking about? Why would you do that on purpose? Isn't that embarrassing? He, he was like, but everyone wanted me to do a good job after I tripped. So like oh. I set the bar really <laughs> low and then knocked it out of the park with my speech. <laughs> so. Wow. That is really putting yourself out there <laughs> to, get, to win the team over. Yes, exactly. That's so impressive. Anyway, it, it works there too. I guess it works in person as well. So um, <laughs> Well, that aside, um, I love talking about customer engagement. I, I want to switch the gears on you. I, we love talking about getting to know a little bit about you, the person, like what makes you tick and who you are, if that's okay. Sure. One of my favorite questions to ask is, is there an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? 
That is such a good question. And I, I mean, first of all, obviously they all do, right? I'm a very different person. Not very different. That's not true. I, I uh, but all of those experiences, I think I, I have, have contributed. The thing that comes to mind, if I think about the last 15 years or so is the big difference for me is, was becoming a mom. So I have three children I'm also a wife, but that didn't change me much. <laughs> uh, changed really him, the, maybe. Right, it didn't yes, yes, you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, <laughs> but I am a mom to three kids, and that has really transformed me. And when I think of it through the work lens, I think it has, in a couple ways, it's changed me at work. One, it's helped me keep things in perspective. So. I love what I do. I love this team. I am very competitive. I want us to win. I take it personally when things don't go our way, but we aren't curing cancer here at Koros and we have to really, it matters to me a lot how I spend my time and, and with whom I spend that time. And so having kids has helped me with the perspective on the crisis of the day is not maybe the biggest crisis and and managing that, keeping it in the context of the world. The biggest, most irritated salesperson is never going to have a tantrum as big as my four-year-old once did. And so, so I think really the big shift for me from work has been perspective. And, and I think that's helped me not take some of those things quite so personally. And I would say the other thing it, it's done is helped me appreciate work and there's never enough time for anything in life but i having been working from home for these last 18 months i am really grateful to have a career and have an identity that is separate from being a mom and a wife it's it's the one place where i work hard and people actually say thank you without having to be prompted <laughs> so so i think it's being a mom i love it I don't know what it's like to be a mom, but I, I, am, I am a dad and they do change your perspective, your outlook in many, many ways. That's so true. What advice would you give your younger self if you're starting all over? I think, and I still wrestle with this, but I think I would tell myself to not be so nervous that that perfection is the enemy of, I think the saying is perfection's the enemy of done, but I think that I have learned that just it's okay for things to fail. And it took me a little too long to get comfortable with that, right? There's a great saying, I never lose. I either win or learn. And it took me too long to, to get to that. I, I wish I had been easier on myself and, and, uh, and embraced those moments and maybe taken some more of those risks earlier. We'll switch gears a little bit. We'll talk a little bit more about marketing type things. If there's a topic you believe marketers need to learn more about or that you're you're trying to learn more about. There's a lot of things, but I, I would hate to prescribe one topic for marketers because it's so dependent. We all have a stack of reading, right? Whether it's digital or books by our bed. I could help you prioritize if I knew what your space was. But I think the, the where my mind goes when you ask that question, Alan, is to a conversation I've been having with uh, a, a group of CMOs that I'm privileged to know. And the topic has been that marketing is the one C-level function that has an ING attached to it. And I think that's a really useful reminder of the conundrum a lot of us face. We're the one function where there's just so many 
activities and ings versus the the macro strategic picture that we should be representing. And it gets really easy to get lost in the calendaring and the webinar scheduling and the email mapping and the persona creation. All of that work is so important. And our world as marketers is so broad. But I think it's really, I've I've been trying to remind myself and the team that the market piece is the heart of what we do. And it's why I have a seat at the, at the executive table. And so thinking about and being conversant in and really a trusted voice to the business about the market dynamics that are shaping your business and your market opportunity, that's my advice to myself always. And, and to other marketers is, is make sure you're lifting your head up and, being a student of the opportunity for your business. That's so smart. Uh, I've never heard that before, that marketing is the only function in the C-suite with the ing on the end, but it makes perfect sense. And I've never heard that before. Uh, that's that. Um, it, it kind of blew me away when you said it, and I was sitting here going, no, there has to be another ing, but no, there's not. Right. It's not, right? You don't have the financing chief right. or the selling <laughs> chief selling officer. And and I, I don't I want to give credit. It's a, a really amazing group of women that uh, the team at Sixth Sense have pulled together called this the Empowered CMO group. And it was there that the light bulb for me went on and and I've tried to carry the torch forward. It's so true. And that voice of the market. I think maps to what you were talking about, even related to the experience that that market has with your your business as well. That's phenomenal. Thank you for sharing that. A couple more questions for you. I'm curious if there's, um, on a personal level, there's brands or companies or causes that you follow or you, you think other people should take notice of. Yeah. I mean, there's so many and we are lucky to work with brands that give me inspiration all the time. The ones that I think about recently, Sephora. So I have a, one of my one of my three children is a girl, and she's at that age where all the social pressure and the voices of the media are telling her what she should look like and how she should represent herself. And I just have, as I've worked with Sephora and understand their ethos and their focus on inclusivity. They they don't believe in using influencers. They've just really created a community of people who want to share their, their love of beauty. And it's really about creating access and acceptance and engagement. Whoever wants to tell their story gets to tell their story. So, so I love Sephora. Rothy's is one of my favorite brands. So that's a shoe company based here in San Francisco. And they have, I think it's over a hundred patents, but they're really pioneering, I should say, fashion from a eco-friendly perspective. So they have patented a fabric for a beautiful women's shoe, and they just launched a men's shoe that is made from recycled plastic bottles. So over a hundred million, I think so far, of recycled into great fashionable, cool shoes that you can throw in the washing machine. So they're a customer that I always pay attention to and (laughs) an invested customer of theirs. So those are a couple that come to mind that are just really thinking about the world in a way that starts from a mission 
and then delivering the solutions and the product from there. Great examples. Last question for you. What do you think is the largest, either largest opportunity or the biggest threat that marketers are facing today? Well, I'm going to be a glass half full and focus on the opportunity side of that. And I'll go back to the question of, are you a chief market officer or are you chief marketing officer? Whatever your title is, there's just huge opportunity for the marketing function to have a bigger voice in the business, but that starts with just doing the homework and really understanding where your business can and should go, and then having the courage to speak up and make yourself heard. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I've, I've learned a lot. I learned that marketing has an ing and that that's unique in the C-suite. So I, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. 